Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, welcome to the show, Gearheads. We just watched the Styrian Grand Prix in Austria, the second round of the Formula One season. And we did not have the super exciting race that we did have in Austria, but there was some definitely some good racing, especially towards the end. Beginning of the race, of course, we had a, a collision that we got to talk about. This is John Massingale. I'm sitting in the studio. I have Les Kaiser connecting via zoom Les, how's it going buddy hey man that was a great race that was a great race especially towards the end obviously but uh yeah lots of action really happy with what i saw from uh the new generation if you will all right so you must have taken a nap towards the middle part of that race because it was definitely a yeah. little, little slow in the middle but hey if you don't hear jonathan green and dave o'neill Jonathan is not going to be <laughs> Jonathan's not going to be with us today because he's on the microphones for Trans Am up in uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, up there. So he's getting to, getting to enjoy some actual cool temperatures. And Dave's Dave, not here, man. Dave's not here right now, but he might be able to join us. He was with us on the pre-show, but he might be able to join us later. He's over in Barber Motorsports doing some work at a racetrack, lucky dog. So he's going to try to join us and. We do have a, a guest on the show with us starting right now. We have a young driver. If you've followed Speed City over the years, that's one of our favorite things to do is to get young drivers on the show because we want, like to watch them come up through the ranks. And, uh, and, and our guest today is Aiden Yoder. And Aiden, welcome to Speed City. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I, uh, I'm really excited to be here and um, talk with you guys through this race. And um... Yeah, I think this will be a this will be a good one. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, no problem. We appreciate it. You're a young driver from California. We'll get into all about Aiden here in just a minute, but I want to talk about the race. So at the beginning of the race, uh, we started off kind of where we ended up last week with lots of activity because the two Ferrari cars crashed into each other. And it looks like Leclerc is going to have to take the blame for this one because he cut up the inside on the corner and pretty much lifted – Sebastian Vettel into the air and ripped the back wing off of that car. Les, what'd you think of that? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid that one goes to Charles on that. Uh, bad call. Uh, looked like a gap. You want to go for it, but, you know, be a little conservative on lap one, lap two, you know, the early uh, early part of the race. You, you can't win the race in those laps, but uh, you can definitely lose them. Well, I want to I want to get Aiden's take on this, but I want to give out the phone number first, 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483, if you want to call and tell us what you thought of that or any part of the race. Give us a call. But Aiden, Aiden Yoder, tell us what you think of what happened with between the two Ferrari cars. Yeah, I think um, kind of what we've been saying so far, you know, um, it definitely seemed like that one was on Leclerc. Um, obviously, you know, going into turn three on lap one, it's a treacherous spot no matter what car you're driving. And so I think Leclerc identified a gap that opened up pretty quick. Obviously, I don't know if he um, knew that they were going to be four wide going into that corner, but he <laughs> identified a gap and then he goes for that gap. And right as he gets there, it shuts down again. So I think definitely a little bit of a clumsy move on his part, but he took the blame in the post race um, in his interview. And so I think they're just going to have to swallow that one up and move on. I knew I, I always love to hear a driver's take on that because I think you're right. I think the ultimate blame's got to go with Leclerc, but there was a spot there where you could 
where he thought, okay, maybe there's going to be a, a gap for me to go for this. But I'm glad that he did take the blame. And, you know, he's always been kind of good at that, almost almost too much. I think I've seen him take the take the heat where he really didn't have to, and it was more like a racing incident. But, what do you, Aiden, what do you think about this young driver, Charles Leclerc? Yeah, he's um, he's been my guy um, ever since he broke into Sauber um, last year, um, I've uh, or two years ago. I've been uh, I've been following him, and I uh, I was really impressed with him in Formula Two, and kind of just all the aggressive moves he was making, and just going after every opportunity that he had. And I like that, obviously, from a driver's perspective. You know, I'm the kind of guy that you know if you see a gap, go for it, and that's <laughs> totally right up his alley. And so uh, when he made the jump into F1, I was super excited, um, trying to just follow his career, and I was like all right, this is it, you know, did I expect him to be in a Ferrari last year? No, I don't think anybody did, you know, um, I think it, the opportunity presented itself well for him, and he took the seat, and he proved that he was ready, and obviously wins a couple races last year, and so I think he's deserving of the seat, and um, based on how Ferrari's car is this year, I'm not entirely sure well they'll shake up in a few races time, but I think he's got a good shot at um, proving what he's got. Yeah, if the Ferrari can can get everything figured out. And, you know, one thing about this crash at the beginning of the race is it didn't give us a chance to see what the Ferrari cars had in them after the upgrades because they talked about these upgrades. And remember, before the race, early in the weekend, Sebastian Vettel was, you know, they didn't show much during qualifying and practice, but we had all that rain and everything. But Sebastian Vettel was saying that the car was stable, that it was much better than the week before. So I was really looking forward to seeing what would happen with the Ferrari, but I guess we will have to wait another week. But guys, let's talk about the rest of the race. I tweeted out earlier, earlier from Speed City's account, I said, uh, driver of the day, question mark, and that was talking about Checo Perez. Um, Les, let's start with you. What do you think about, about that choice for driver of the day or who you would choose, and what do you think about the way Checo came up through the, through the grid there towards the latter, latter part of the race? Checo showed why people give him money to drive. He you know, brings money to the team. He's always there. He's not a personality that gets a lot of attention. Uh, but if you just look at the quality of it, he is solid. And uh, he bring, there's a reason, like I said, that uh, he brings a cash roll with him when he comes to a team. He's good. And that's what you want when you're putting your name on a driver's. Well, what car. about what about when he hit Albon and broke his front wing? You know, that was, you know, right there at the end of the, but I think it was second to the last lap or right before that. Right. But uh, what do yeah. you think? Do you know, was that, was that his fault? Uh, I think it probably was. Uh, and I think Checo, like Aiden, is, is uh, you go for that gap. You try to push, you maybe even elbow, you know, your competitor a little bit in it. And uh, it just didn't work that time. Yeah, it was kind of a shame for him to have such a great race, but in, in have an, uh, Norris pass him, but at least it was, uh, at least he ended up towards the top there. But Aiden, what do you think about Checo's race today? I think the racing points are both on fire today. I <laughs> was watching him right from the start and they were just like, they, like they had a rocket ship and I, uh, I was really impressed with how they were able to make their moves inside or outside anywhere they could get it done. And so um, I knew it was only going to be a matter of time. I didn't um, anticipate Albon um, dropping off quite at that pace at the end of the race, but obviously Perez put him in himself, um, put himself in a position to capitalize on that. And so um, I think just kind of like you said, Les, you know, he's definitely, um, he does fly a little bit under the radar sometimes, but he's definitely proven himself as a guy um, who should be bringing that kind of sponsorship money into the sport. All right, so let's talk about another exciting part of the end of the towards the end of the race. There was when Botas was trying to get past Verstappen, and I love the post race interview what Verstappen said about it. But so if you if you didn't see it, if you were listening on the radio, essentially everybody knew that Botas was going to catch Verstappen towards the end of the race, and obviously the quite big question was was he going to be able to pass him? Yeah, most likely because uh, Verstappen was at the end of his tires, and uh, and Botas was. His car was definitely faster. But so towards the end, Botas caught Verstappen, went around him, took back second, took second place. But then Verstappen took it back for a, for a lap to be. But, man, that was some great racing. And I love the fact that Verstappen just said, I knew he was going to take the position. This was post-race interview. He said, I knew he was going to take the position. But I was just having some fun, and I really enjoyed it. What did you guys think of that one? We'll start with you, Les. 
<laughs> I, I love that Max never gives up. I'm kind of surprised he admitted that, but uh, in the way he delivered that message. But Max never gives up. Elbows wide, if he was on a motorcycle, he gets out there and he takes his path and he owns it. And even when he just got passed, which I love those return passes when they go back and forth like that. Uh, to me, that's what I expect of Max. You know, they, I always go back to the uh, the turns around the tower here at the Circuit of the Americas when Max makes his own path. Yeah, uh, that's Max. He'll get there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Aiden, would you uh, what do you what do you think about the, that particular part of the race? I think that's just classic Max Verstappen. You know, he's <laughs> um, he's always there to deliver a show, and uh, he definitely delivered today. When I saw um, when I saw him go for the move on the outside, I knew okay. He's going to try to make this thing stick, you know, and just send it in deep and, and hope it sticks. And uh, he got it down for that lap. And then um, as I watched the next lap um, going into the same corner, it seemed like Botas learned a little bit about where Verstappen was going to go. And I could see Botas change up his line a little bit to kind of just block Verstappen's path. And um, that kind of shut him down a little bit. So I think Verstappen obviously craft, um, crafty with, uh, with what he had and um, definitely delivered, um, delivered a show at that closing stage. You know, that does seem... It was kind of classic Botas, though, real level-headed, going, all right, I'm going to give you the position back, you know, because knowing that at every single lap, every single, you know, section of track that he went down, that he's that he was going to have a little more advantage. And just being level-headed and going, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take it, you know, without crashing the car and being able to bring home that one-two for Mercedes. But uh, let's see what else going down the grid here. I mean, you had... I think really, if I had to choose right now, my you know I tweeted out driver of the day, Checo Perez. But would it be Lando Norris now? I mean, Perez had such a great run through the grid, but man, Lando took such great advantage at the end. And like I mentioned earlier, he was so decisive. Uh, what do you guys think, Les? What do you think? Uh, yeah, even though my buddy Albon was right there, I got to hand it out to. to uh... Lando, he uh, carried through, he delivered. It's not a surprise to me, but uh, I think he earned it. All right. Well, you know what? We have a caller on. The, we have a call on the line. I think it's George. George from Virginia. Hey, George. Welcome to Speed City. Hey. Good morning, guys. Um, How are you? Good to hear your voice, man. I'm great. Same here. You know, from something I thought would be just a mundane pedestrian race. The ending was probably the most exciting I've seen in a while. I'm glad they kind of focused on the mid-pack. And we, we saw some great racing. And I, I saw something today that I didn't think I would say, but I'm going to say this. Lando Norris may be something special, man. You know what? I, 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 I'm I always a little – I'm worried that all the British commentators on television everywhere are so excited because he's a Brit. But I think you may be right, man. This guy – is really something special, isn't he? I mean, he's he's definitely showing us that that he's not just he's not just good. He's he's really really good at least. And I'm glad you said that, George. That's a good take, man. One thing I hate, I think we all hate to see, and we're seeing this as anyone who's been in sport a long time. You really hate to see your heroes go out a certain way. Everybody can't go out like Elway. But yeah. man, Vettel, I just, this is hard to watch. And I don't know if this is just nerves or, I don't want to say sabotage. That's way too strong a word to use. But, I mean, literally, like, we watching one of the greats. I mean, if you want to rank four world mm -hmm. titles is something that very few drivers will ever attain. And this man is literally just falling apart before our eyes. I mean, we just can't, you know, maybe today was a curse. That was on Leclerc. I will I will yeah. grant that. But this is painful to watch. But what's even more painful is we don't know where he's going to be next year. He yeah. may be in a commentating booth, which is sad. But to get back well, on the future, I think the future, what we saw was I still think that some of these, these team orders and it's just, I don't know if it's rust or it's just that it was enough, not enough factory time. But it's obvious that Mercedes is just, they did something. I don't know. Hmm. 
Do they just move the factory or they just kept on doing R and D? We we might as well just start talking about who's going to be in third place. I know it feels that it really feels that way. But Les, you were going to you were going to say something about Sebastian Vettel, Les? Yeah, you know George. Uh, for one, what do you think of Sebastian Vettel not having anything this late in the game for twenty one? Is he going to disappear and come back as uh, Fernando Alonso? And then uh, you know, I want to hear your take on that. I, 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 I want to say yes, because he hasn't expressed an interest in um, tin top. You know, I mean, maybe he'd go to Porsche or something like that, but I don't think that the interest is there. But I, he doesn't seem like a guy who will sit out and then come back. I think if he's gone, he's gone. I mean, I just, I don't know, I don't know his personality. I mean, he has no, you know, social media presence, no, you know, you get what you get at the races. You don't see anything, at least in America. I mean, you might be different in Germany. I just, you don't see Vettel outside of the F1 anything. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, we'll we may find out next Thursday. He's got a interview that he requested. That's right. Martin Blundell. So uh, let's stay tuned and see what he has to say. Hey, good to hear from you, George. Yeah, George. Hey, we got to get take a break. Thanks for calling in, buddy, and uh, appreciate you listening. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll continue our breakdown of the Styrian Austrian Grand Prix in Formula One. You listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back up in these messages. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hey, this is Tony Stewart. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Tony Stewart bringing us back. I was that, that was uh, when we interviewed him out at Circuit of the Americas during Formula One when Tony Stewart came to the race. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, I love his quote, Prius, stupid cars for stupid people. <laughs> yes, I think that was Tony Stewart's quote. Well, hey, this John Massingill, that was Les Kaiser. We also have a guest young driver on the show, Aiden Yoder. And Aiden, fantastic, great job so far. Appreciate you coming on today. But I, I want to talk, we, you know, when we were going to break, we were, you know, going up and down the grid a little bit. But um, as a young driver and as a driver, let's just say that, um, what, was your, 
what was your favorite parts of the race today? I mean, because it was a little boring in the middle, but it got interesting towards the end. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I think the turn three incident obviously kind of threw things open for a lot of people, you know, going four wide into that corner, you know, it opened up a lot of opportunities and then when they were going down the back straight, you know, as a driver, you're looking for all the little holes and stuff that you can find and slipping through different guys. And I love close racing. So I think that's good. The opening laps are always exciting. And then going through the middle part of the race, you know, I can understand when some guys tone the engines down or, you know, they take a little breather and they don't use up their equipment quite as well. And so that part, you know, I won't say dull, but obviously, you know, understandable as to um, why they're doing what they're doing. And then it gets ramped up at the end. And so when the team gets on the radio and they're like, hey, you know, 10, 15, five laps to go, you know, that's when your heart starts racing again. And you're like, okay, can I crank the thing up? You know, how hard should I push? And so when we got right to the end of that, you know, the Botox, the staff in battle, and then the battle in the midfield with the racing points and the McLarens, that was really, really exciting. And um, I could see all the guys were just waiting for the opportunity to arise. And when it came, they took it right away. You know, Norris making that move in the final corner, that's exactly what we love to see. And it's exactly what we like to capitalize on. And so I think the closing laps were probably my favorite part. Yeah, it was pretty hard to argue with that. Well, Aiden, I want to give everybody a little bit uh, of your story to know why you're an expert to talk about this, because you have been a driver since, what, the age of 11? Tell everybody a little bit about your history. Yeah, so I started karting in 2015. Um, I did karting for around three years. I went from the little cadet Comer karts into a PRD and then into an X30 in about a year and a half. And then we started winning races in X30 senior at the end of my second year. And we just found success. And um, we were able to just have a really high um, string of momentum, kind of going from season to season, keeping things moving and always being there at the front of the pack and trying to... Um, get our names out there and make ourselves well known. And then that's what got us to make the jump into cars. And so when I found Primus in 2018, um, that was really like uh, an open eye, like, hey, you know, well, there's a little bit more going on here than carts. You know, you always try to um, think about what that next step is going into cars, but you don't really, um, you don't really feel it and think, wow, this is reality until it actually happens, you know? So yeah, the karting days, um, those were great. And um, I learned a lot about technique and getting the apex speed, roll speed, you know, the overcut, undercut, inside out moves and all that stuff. And I was able to take what I learned there into F4 and use that since 2018. But um, more on an F1 level, I've been watching F1 since I was real little back in like 2010, 2011-ish. And uh, Sebastian Vettel was my guy. And when he was dominating with Red Bull, that's what really got me interested. I loved the colors of the car and um, I loved um, how he was always at the front fighting with all these guys, you know, when he was making his charges in Abu Dhabi from the back to the front, you know, those kinds of things are like, whoa, you know, as a little kid, you think, wow, he's passing all these guys. He's so exciting, you know, and um, the racing bug just kind of stuck with me. You know, I've, I've uh, tried to do little karting events with my friends indoors at birthday parties and stuff. And um, it's just, Hmm. Taking that all the way here into where I am now in F4, it's um, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Well, I want to ask you about Vettel. So since you've been a fan of his from day one, I've been saying this, I don't know, since last year. And, and just and I said it a little bit earlier about it just feels like a mental thing with with Vettel. But since you've been a fan and you're a race driver, you, you've been in the, the heat of battle. What do you think is going on with Vettel right now? And and today is not a great example, but but leading up to today. I think he's just at a different point in his career now. You know, I think he's, I think we can say he's past his prime. And um, when he was winning all of his championships um, about 10 years ago, you know, you could see the drive in him and you could see his fire. And in his post-race interviews, if he got taken out, he was heated, you know, and he was ready to get on that guy and he wanted vengeance um, in the next weekend. And I actually was lucky enough to have a conversation with him um, at Coda last year for the U.S. Grand Prix when F4 came to support F1. I saw him on the track walk and um, we had a little discussion just kind of about, you know, where I was in my career and talking to him about where things stand on his standpoint and just having a, a good chat between two guys. And I could just see in his tone that he was not, you know, like, Obviously, we see now, you know, it just seemed like Vettel's taking a step back. And I could tell that he wasn't really as aggressive in his tone and he wasn't 
fighting it's hard you know obviously at that point in the year the championship was out of his reach but still you know um I could just see in his in his body language and his tone that he wasn't fully in it as much as he was and so I think once you slip into that mindset it's really hard to get yourself back out and when you have a season like this and you open with a couple races where the Ferraris are finishing at the back you know it, it doesn't help your confidence at all and so I think it's just it's going to take a bit for him to um, to fix his mindset and get back into the swing of things. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch not only how he does this year and how he if he does get his mind in the right place, but where he ends up next year. So it's going to be a fun story. But hey, I did see that Formula One has announced that in their voting, you know, they do their online voting for driver of the day, Checo Perez. So because he started P seventeen, ended P six. Pretty hard to argue with that. As much as I loved watching Lando Norris at the end there, I would say that it's that is probably well-deserved. He made one mistake, I think, is when he tried to dive in there and, and on uh, on Albon. and I mean, uh, yeah, I think it was Albon who, when he broke the wing. But, but Checo Perez, driver of the day. Also, another little bit of news. It looks like right after the race, um, the, the stroll, by, the uh, Lance Stroll, when he lunged in on Ricardo. It was under investigation, but they said that that is a racing incident and no further action needed. So those two little bits of news. But, well, Les Kaiser, I want to ask you, you know, we saw some good racing in the midfield. What about the Haas cars? We're going to ask Dave O'Neill if he makes it on. Obviously, former team manager for the Haas F1 team is part of the show this year. But, you know, it is, it's really tough to watch right now with the Haas team. What do you think? Yeah, I got to start off with a big, deep sigh. It's just uh, frustrating. You know the componentry is there. You know something's going on. I don't know why they can't get a handle on brakes. I don't know why we have these lackluster performances out there. Uh, there's so much going on. I'd like to think that Gene Haas, in his uh, savvy, you know, race-savvy career, knew what he was getting into in Formula One. But I have to be honest, uh, even with the uh, the cream of the crop that he's picked to put in behind the car, I got a question. Uh, is this the right thing? Do we have the right people there? Because even when uh, the drivers make no mistakes of their own, the cars don't perform. Hmm. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Uh, so today they finished 12th and 13th. <coughs> Excuse me. So we had Raikkonen in 11th, and uh, the other Alpha car, Giovinazzi, on the other side of them. So, I mean, this year it's kind of playing out. It's sad, but you see where the Williams cars ended up in uh, 16th, 17th, ahead of, ahead of only the cars that retired. So, Gasly in 15th, and then Giovinazzi. So, you know, it could okay, be worse. <laughs> okay, remember, we've got that unusual situation of Ferrari wasn't in this race. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anybody that would argue that Ferrari would have ended behind them most race days, and so throw in another two spots ahead of them. Well, yeah, I'm I'm just really looking at who finished behind them, you know, because obviously Ferrari would right. have finished ahead. Of, you know, I say that obviously they would have, but uh, this year, who knows? But uh, from a speed standpoint, absolutely. So I, I don't know, Les. You know, we'll get Dave's opinion on the pre-show. Dave talked about how they were having trouble with cooling. The all, all of, of the car, right? And so he was thinking that was trickling down to the braking issues, whether it was a, what a, whatever part of the brake system that is not cooling properly. Because as we know, if if, you, if brakes aren't cooling properly, then you're never going to get them under control. And you only have so much braking from the energy recovery system, so your brakes are still your pr your primary way of slowing down an F1 car. And if you don't get that right, you're never going to get the car stable. And it's just sad to see it. But so let, let's also talk. We guess about a about a minute here, Les. What about you know? You saw Lando Norris. Um, you know, Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari this year. Lando <laughs> is he saying, "Hey guys, you should have picked me instead." Uh, he probably thinks that. I don't think Lando's personality is one that will say it. He's. I think he's more the type that's going to show him on the track. Well, we shall see the rest of the year, but so 
Lando finished fifth, fifth of course, and then uh, Carlos Sainz finished ninth. I was just looking through the stats. And, you know, Lando Norris was on the medium tire towards the end there, and Tar Carlos was on the soft. So not apples to apples, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I have to say that I enjoyed what Lando did. And Carlos Sainz obviously has, been, has looked good. And you know what? See who's in the ports? Daniel Kvyat with, with, uh, in 10th place with a point for this week. So that's a good Good for him. I, we got to spend time with him last year, and so I'm glad to see him do that. All right, guys, we need to take another break, and we're going to continue the discussion. We got a little more. We got some Circuit of the Americas news we're going to talk a little bit about, some other things we'll discuss besides the Formula One race. So stick with us through the break. Listen to Speed City. Back after these messages. USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiasts looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Winding Road Racing is a leading provider of road racing and performance equipment at each of our locations in Texas, California, Georgia, and Kentucky. But we know some racers want that same high-quality gear, customer service, and pricing without leaving home. Check out the online store at windingroadracing.com. It's got all the same high-quality brands you've come to know us for. Alpine Stars, Stilo Helmets, Chill Out, and AIM Data Systems, all available at great prices and delivered directly to you with free shipping. Log on now, windingroadracing.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Talk 13-7, the right choice. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Glad you're enjoying some American voices in Formula One coverage. Not too many of those out there these days. It's John Massengill. That's Les Kaiser on the other end, and our guest, our young driver guest, Aiden Yoder. And, guys, we really haven't talked about one of the biggest stories in Formula One this week, and that is Fernando Alonso going back to Renault and for next year, obviously, and for next year and really for the year after that is probably what he's what he's thinking and what he's excited about, because that's probably when if Renault can get a car that is competitive uh, will will happen. So, Aiden, what do you think about that one? I think it's great to always, you know, see a guy like Fernando return to the sport. You know, he left McLaren on a note that was kind of unsure, you know, hey, I might come back, I might not, you know. And so I think it's great to see him back, you know, from a young driver's perspective. I'm always looking to see which F2 guy is going to get the shot, you know, who from the Renault Academy is going to get promoted into the seat. And so obviously if Renault decided to go with Fernando this season, you know, it's kind of hard not to if you've got him available, you know, and so if he's there, you got to take him, you know? So it just means that the um, Renault Academy guys are going to have to wait another year or two, but I think it's great to see a guy like Fernando back. 
<laughs> That's what I was assuming you would go to at least a little bit to talk about the young drivers because, look, let's. I, I am a little torn. I, I I'm excited to have the name back in the sport. And as we saw when he did so well in the Indy 500 last year, he still got it. Oh, look, he's he's been uh, in WEC, and he did what he did some uh, rally driving. He did fantastic there. So he's he's obviously still has some skills, and who knows? Maybe his skills have hardly waned at all. But uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all of that and how those dominoes fall in all the different directions. But. But, yeah, that was obviously one of the biggest stories in Formula One this week. But I, I want to touch on something here that I got a chance. We talked about this in the pre-show, but I, I, I spoke with Circuit of the Americas this week, and they had been qu- really quiet and, you know, obviously for for good reason with the pandemic that there's no live events. And that's what Circuit of the Americas does for a living is produce live events. And all these circuits all over the world are struggling with this, and I don't know the economics of what happens when these circuits are, are able to host races with no with no fans. Obviously, that's a giant hit to the the revenue streams. But uh, when I spoke with Circuit of the Americas this week, I think it was Thursday. Uh, it was Thursday because Friday morning is when they officially announced that they were not going to have a MotoGP race. And when I asked about F1, it was just, you know, there there was no real answer because they don't know. You know, I think it's at this point, it seems a bit of a long shot, but it's possible, I suppose, if we could have a non-spectator race. But bringing people in from all over the world into Austin, I mean, right now would be really crazy with the level of of new cases and everything that we're getting with the virus right now. But, but Les, what do you think? You think we got a shot at, at having a race at all? You know, uh, you know me. I'd love to have the F1 crowd back in town. Uh, obviously, we we'd have to maintain all the the precautions we're already seeing, which are outstanding efforts, and they're policing it so well. Uh, here's what I see. So, where else are they going to have an F1 race in this part of the world that is not a street race? The only situation that might come through. Maybe the captain will get us in on the Indy Motor Speedway for a race. He said he was open when he bought the venue and got that going. The only hope I can see is to have multiple races while they're on this continent and also multiple locations. Uh, Certainly pulling a double at Coda would be great. Doing a single race at uh, Indy Motor Speedway using something like the the Indy Grand Prix uh, route is uh, probably as good as we're going to get out of the Indy Motor Speedway on short notice. Aiden, what do you think? I think having F1 in America is a great thing. You know, um, obviously, I love Coda and I love going there to support the F1 race. It's always a great opportunity for us young drivers to make a name for ourselves and present ourselves to that wider audience and get some worldwide reach. You know, if it's in Indy, um, there's a chance that that could happen, but um, I don't know really what the status is with that right now. You know, um, Coda is a great circuit and I think it is really great for the racing, lots of passing zones, lots of really intricate sections on the course. You know, it, it's a real driver's circuit. And I think if we were to go to Indy or have another track in America, that would not be the end of the world because just getting F1 into America would be a good first step right now. You know, I think given the circumstances, we can't necessarily hope for too much, and I think we have to be thankful for what we get. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that, you know, having F1 in America is great. And because if I'm Liberty Media, the new American-owned company that is got this new recent purchase of Formula One, that they want to make sure they have a home for it. And, yeah, a one-off situation and during a pandemic, all bets are off, right? But, but anytime you can... <laughs> You can keep that continuity going and just making sure that that your your permanent home, which is Circuit of the Americas here in Austin, is got every possible chance is a good thing. And I'm just going to read a story, a little bit of a story on the uh, the Austin newspaper, statesman.com. And they had uh, just a couple quotes from Bobby Epstein. It says uh, the Formula One race is scheduled for October 22nd through the 25th is is in serious jeopardy 
DAKOTA Chairman Bobby Epstein told the statesman in an email on Friday. So uh, he says the Formula One United States Grand Prix faces a similar situation talking about Red Bull being canceled. He said, although they've scheduled stops in Brazil and Mexico, these stops make North America a, a North American race more feasible, but the event is likewise in serious jeopardy. I think we all knew that. It's all in serious jeopardy. And we're just going to have to wait. I think that's the bottom line here, and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. So um, let's talk about a little bit more about the race today because, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but Hamilton led wire to wire because he had a uh, – gave, him, gave himself the opportunity with a fantastic lap to finish up qualifying in the rain. And that, you know uh, – I was watching that, and just a couple of things that struck me. Number one, were you guys watching the G-meters during the rain qualifying? I saw, I know that I saw at least 2.4 Gs. I'm thinking, and that was just one that I saw. So two and a half Gs in the rain, that is just astounding to me. You know, I think of your your supercar can pull, what, a little over a G, maybe a supercar, and any car that I've ever driven, probably, you know, max, but... But in the rain, in the wet, that's just – as a driver, I mean, I know that you got, you've obviously driven in the rain before, but what did you think of that? It's incredible, right? Yeah, you know, I, I see these G-meters all the time, and these F1 guys can pull crazy Gs into the braking zones and all these high-speed corners and stuff, and it's just – it's mind-boggling, you know? When you're in the wet, all bets are off, and it's really just who can manage their stuff the best, who can find the grip first, and – whoever gets there first is usually the one that wins it. And so in the rain, you know, you expect the energy to be thrown in a little bit of a different area because the car is moving around. It's moving around underneath you in a much different way than it would in the dry. And so when you're in the wet, um, you're only, the only thing in your mind is find the grip, get there fast. You know, you'll see us in formula four going out there. We'll be on a different line, every single lap, every single corner, trying to just, see where it is and where it isn't. And usually whoever gets there first is the one that wins. And so to see these G meters um, on the F1 cars, you know, in F4, we, we pull like a maximum of two Gs, you know, max in the dry. And so for them to be experiencing that in the wet, I think that's, that's pretty impressive. Hmm. Well, and I, I was leading up to with Lam Hamilton's lap in qualifying, put him at the pole on pole and he led the entire race. And I was just looking at his lap times. And so, obviously, Hamilton had a great race. He won the race. He started, you know, went pole to pole. But also, this puts Hamilton, I think this now is his 85th win. I have it in my notes here somewhere. But I think this is his 85th, which now puts him just six behind Schumacher's all-time record of 91. You know, at the beginning of the year, I, there was lots of there's there are lots of records that potentially could go could fall this year, and that's one that could happen. And I mean, obviously, if we only get ten races, that may not happen, but it could still. But Hamilton, you know, we we have to remember what what we're in the middle of of watching uh, when we watch Lewis Hamilton right now, because it's very likely that he's going to race again uh, next year. So it's very likely he's going to take this all-time record. So we're, you know, we're we're watching history these last few years, and I know that he's in the car, he's in the Mercedes that that is, you know, head and shoulders above everybody, and has been now for several years. You know, Ferrari gave him a little bit of a a run at it in the last couple of years, but really head and shoulders. And just watching Lewis Hamilton right now, we got to know that we're watching history. Unless you've been a big, you know, when we first started Speed City, you know, eight or nine years ago, he was your guy. He was. There was so much raw talent there and passion for it. Uh, I was totally behind him seeing this happen, a variety of different reasons. Uh, you just saw that skill. He came into karting as an underdog. You know, the, the working dad, you know, with a working dad situation, he didn't come from a cash roll, so... I related to that and the, and dad figured out a way to cobble together a cart and get him on track. And to be quite honest, I believe because of that cart that was cobbled together and what he, how hard he had to work, he was even more critical on his driving and his abilities. Uh, like when we, we, you know, when I've coached 
folks around autocross or you know things like that the underpowered car you're going to learn a lot more from so he started as an undercard he carried that through he got in the formula cars made his way up into f1 and i just think that uh, that track of that uh, track of development from the uh, the underhand or the undercard in a cart uh, underpowered etc uh, really developed him early and matured. Uh, I'm not going to say I expected this of him, but I knew it was going to be really good. Yeah, and it was just, I just, it occurred to me looking at this that we can't forget what, you know, what we're watching. So, hey guys, it'll just look up. We need to take another quick break and we'll continue our Formula One discussion after this. Listen to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas. Back up for a few messages. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk. 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. That that sound you just heard, I was digging through the archives of our audio a day or two ago. And that was from the ribbon cutting ceremony at Circuit of the Americas on October 21st, I think, in the afternoon. And that was Mario Andretti's 7879 black and gold Lotus firing up on the track at Circuit of the Americas. Did you hear that thing spitting and coughing until it came on the cam at, I don't know, what, eight or 10,000 RPMs? How awesome was that? <laughs> opportunity to hear it a couple of times a year often uh it is based <laughs> here in texas the owner does take it out and he runs it in uh, some of the historic grand prix and some of the historic events and uh oh my gosh it shivers every time even even during that audio i got a little shiver mm, yeah i think that needs to be my new ringtone or something anyway i just had to play that because i stumbled across that and that that moment that was a a goosebump moment seeing the track get opened, and of course, 
Mario Andretti driving that particular car to open Circuit of the Americas. You know, Mario was the the ambassador for a while at Circuit of the Americas. That was really cool to have. But, but hey, I want to – we have a young driver guest on the phone, Aiden Yoder, and I want to ask Aiden about – about what you're working on right now and, and the people that you're working with. I know Dave O'Neill's helping you out and uh, and the buddies at uh, – the guys at Go Motorsport. Tell us about all that. Yeah, I uh, I met Go Motorsport Management this year talking with Mick Gom and Dave O'Neill. They've been a really great resource for me um, this season. You know, um, I don't come from a family that has cash, you know, flowing out of the doors and stuff. And being a first-generation um, racer, I'm the first racer in my family, you know, so there's – um. There's a lot of unknowns here and so there's a lot of things that we're still learning on a day-to-day basis things that other people that have been in the sport for a longer amount of time are so easily um capitalizing on us for you know so going into the season um after um having our success scoring a few points in top tens last year um in 2019 we wanted to take that to the next level this year and so um, we connected with go motorsport management to see um, what kind of stuff we could do and um, see if we could get some more exposure and talk to some different sponsors, different people about um, what kind of things we could put together, you know, racing in America at this level, obviously, we can understand, you know, the sponsors apprehension into getting their names on the car. Um, obviously, it doesn't have as much spectacle as NASCAR F1. So we fully understand, you know, but um, right when I started working with Dave firsthand, um, I know he has all of his experience in F1. And Obviously, you know, I well, the conversations I have with with Mick and Dave, you can just tell that they really know their stuff and they know exactly what they're talking about and they know how to get what they want. And so um, we met with them and Dave um, came with us for a couple of test days out in Florida right before um, the Academy Winter Series. And um, I was having phone calls with him every day. Um, he was getting me set up with some new training regiments and um, some new pre-race um, routines to get myself really into the zone and so all these things kind of came together and that's how we won the academy winter series championship and i really don't think um it would have been possible without the combined work of gmm and primus racing team when we come together and it all works it's really really great and so i think dave and mick are going to be a great resource for us to have this year and beyond I love the insight we get with young drivers talking about the process of coming up through motorsports because, you know, it's so different from other American sports. You know, football is so clear and obvious to all of us, let's say, football, baseball, basketball. You know, you, you play in you know, you know, Little League, then you play in high school, then you move on to college. We see the drafts, and we it's very clear. But motorsport is so different because it's all about, number one, money. If you've got the money, you can find a path, right? But then there's there's, uh, there's so many different things, you know, whether it's a chance meeting somewhere or, I mean, you had to just flip out when you realized you're going to be working with Dave O'Neill, the former team manager of multiple teams here in Formula One. So, I mean, it is such a fascinating uh, process how drivers make it up through uh, through motorsports. But, hey, I, I just saw a couple of people tweeting at us. <laughs> Here's a good one. Um, from Paul Bryan, he was just he wanted to comment on our G forces. He says you get sustained five plus G lateral G forces for Indy cars is not uncommon on the ovals, and we know that's five plus G is also in Formula One. But he also says, how about NASCAR for for Luigi, <laughs> referring to Sebastian Vettel? How about NASCAR guys? What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be an interesting uh, scenario. Can Can you just imagine uh, you know uh, the comedy routine that would develop out of that? Uh, you know what? I think it's a great idea. I mean, why not? Why not? And, and you know, I'll tell you what. Speaking of NASCAR, I've watched way more NASCAR this year. Yes, they came on when there was no other racing. But, you know, with all the, uh, the publicity with Bubba Wallace and everything, I just watched a ton of NASCAR. You know, I've always watched IndyCar and everything, but uh, I've really gotten into the sport. And I think uh, Sebastian Vettel would fit in just perfectly. I'm trying to think which team... Hmm, I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I love the idea. And also another tweet, Andy P, one of, our reg, one of our regulars checked in. He was just basically saying, not a crazy race, but he said, what an epic final lap from, uh, for, on this race. And, and this is so true. Ferrari in serious crisis mode. And what a last lap by Norris. Uh, he might just have that special stuff. 
So those are cool. All right, Blinky, Blinky Boy making some connections. Okay, NASCAR. Haas was brought up earlier as a possible destination. Yeah, that's what, I, yeah. Sub. So if he goes there, he's got Tony Stewart on the other side of the garage in the NASCAR <laughs> garage. Wouldn't that be uh, awesome? There, there could be some interesting chemistry there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, I also saw on Twitter that Ferrari, imagine this, they have canceled their post-race media debrief with Bonotto and the drivers. Imagine that. It's like, there's nothing to say here. We're just going to move on to next <laughs> <Yeah>. week. <laughs> That's, that, that sounds like a uh, the end of a bad marriage argument. I don't uh, even want to see you now. <laughs> oh, gosh, the Ferrari. It's just, I mean, it's truly meltdown. I mean, I tweeted yesterday after the uh, the the grid penalty by Leclerc that it was, you know, when it rains, it pours, you know, just talking about, you know, play on words with the rain, but man, it is truly pouring in the Mercedes team right now. And I mean, this is just going to get ugly unless this gets straightened out, which I'm sure they're going to start scoring some, some more points. I mean, I know we're saying all this and the Claro is second last week. Let's not forget that. But uh, obviously with nine retirements and the craziness that that was that, you know, there was a lot more mitigating circumstances to that, but but Les, speaking of Ferrari, you had dropped a story in our show doc about Bonotto and talking about the drivers? Yeah, well, uh, Bonotto had basically said the writing's on the wall. We've got problems not only amongst the team and, you know, getting the car on the track, but uh, the drivers have induced their own issues on track. And that, uh, to be honest, he really seems, you know, he really seems under the thumb and under the gun to get things sorted out. It doesn't surprise me. He's, he put that, uh, you know, there were some quotes from last week basically saying, we've got to get this under control. We've got problems. You know, we can't seem to get a hold of them. Uh, him not wanting to look at your face after the race, <laughs> is not a good sign. Uh, I don't know what's going to come of that. Uh, are we back to uh, Rivadarchi again? <laughs> Arrivederci, arriva bene. Yeah, I, you know what, Les? You know, Ferrari does not tolerate not winning, and you're not going to get away with that very long. So I, I thought I would just check and just see what the uh, the Scuderia Ferrari Twitter account had to say. Uh, <laughs> after the crash, it says, all, the only thing it says is, is the two cars collided, Seb is in the garage, and that is it. And there, there was one other tweet after that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean they're in they're in full, you know, free fall is what it's the way it feels right now. So um hey, one other story that I saw you put in your lesson. I know it's not Formula One, but it is America and it's um yeah, a little bit of direct relation here to Austin. But what about that you put in here about Tesla? Let's talk about trucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. The uh Tesla truck factory is moving forward. Uh, they've actually, uh, it looks like they're going to get a grant of, or, or forgiveness of taxes in some of, uh, to some degree. The good thing about this is this is going to go to a school district that uh, is not a very wealthy school district. Uh, it's going to benefit heavily. And so uh, that's still in the works, still looking very strong for Tesla to open the Cybertruck factory here in Texas, where it ought to be. Yeah, and if they do, it's... It's really very close to Circuit of the Americas. That's funny. But um, one thing that I really, really like about the way Formula One's coverage on television is this year are the new team radio graphics. I love it um, because as much as I watch racing and hang out with Brits like Jonathan Green and Dave O'Neill, I still have a hard time understanding because, I mean, you got all the different accents, but you've got all the, the noise from the cars and everything. And they put up the, what they're doing, of course, is not only you get the little radio graphic, but they're showing what, they're, what the driver's saying, what the team is saying on both. And uh, I think that it is a great idea, and I, I just wouldn't want to have the job of the person trying to do that and then get it up quickly. But, uh, but I thought that was a great addition. Well, guys, we are out of time. I want to thank our young driver guest, Aiden Yoder. Aiden, thanks for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I uh, I had a lot of fun here. Thank you guys so much. Well, we, we look forward to, to following your career and watching you rise in the ladder. And we want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in. 
And make sure you check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. You can find lots of new content. We put up stuff all week long. And we're also going to keep up our schedule. But other than that, we will talk to you guys next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.